Hey, what's going on everybody? Jesse Paul Smith here, My Creative District Podcast. And in today's episode, I'm going to be talking with branding expert Lauren Davis on how to create an engaged audience through Instagram, some key things that you might want to be paying attention to if you're trying to grow your brand, why you want to grow your brand, and how her affinity for music turned into a cool, eclectic clothing and music store that she runs with her husband. You're going to want to check out this episode. Another great episode here on My Creative District Podcast. Let's get to it. Welcome to another episode of the My Creative District Podcast, where we discuss how to channel your creative power into building the life you want, building the business you want, and making the impact you want. We believe creatives can live out a passionate and fulfilled life when they completely embrace their unique design and purpose. Want to turn your passion into profit? Stay tuned to hear from industry professionals, paradigm shifters, and world changers who have done just that and live it every day. This is the My Creative District Podcast with your host, Jesse Paul Smith. Hey guys, it's Jesse Paul Smith here again with My Creative District Podcast. And today I am interviewing Lauren Davis. And we're going to be discussing everything about Instagram her experience with her store, Culture Shock Clothing and Records in Rockford. But before we begin, I want to remind you that my Creative District and Worldwide Dance Challenge has just reopened enrollment in the Worldwide Dance Academy. So if you know anyone that is interested in building a platform around their passion for dance and they want to learn how they can monetize it and grow this amazing uh, mission for themselves, you want to check out WorldwideDanceChallenge.com forward slash academy to learn more. But Lauren, I want to say thank you so much for joining me today. I know we've got uh, a lot to talk about, and I know uh, you're going to just shed a bunch of gold nuggets. So I'm excited. I've got my pen and paper ready. So <laughs> here we go. So excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, Absolutely. I'm really yeah. Absolutely. And so I want to get some, some context here around where you started, what, what you've been working on. And so take me back a little bit though, before we even get to that, I want to go back like further into when you were like the 13 year old version of yourself, were you thinking you were going to own a clothing store and a record store and be some social media expert <laughs> or what, what were you trying to do at that time? Okay. So even back further than, you know, so I'll say that we started the record store when I was 19. So I still feel like wow. I was a child when I started that. But before that, when I was, you know, between eight and 13 years old, I was always starting businesses. And I just feel mm. like a lot of entrepreneurs have stories like this, like where they were doing lawn care or they would, um, you know, sell, sell something. So like I was, some of my famous businesses my parents talk about are, um, you know, painting rocks or painting like uh, different things and selling them or doing lemonade stands. Or I had a, ba a very lucrative babysitting business where I would Ooh. write my number down on flyers and hang them around like the YMCA or church or whatever. And people would go and grab those, those uh, flyers with my number on it. And I took CPR. So I'd be the best babysitter out there. You know, I was always wow. like, okay, I'm going to, I think like what really thrilled me was like the thought of um, having control over, over my own life or my own, my own money or, sure. you know, saving up money to buy something special for myself or for my mom or for, 
you know, whoever. So yeah, I was always excited about starting businesses. And when, uh, when I was little, my mom actually had a dog biscuit bakery. She still has it now called the canine canine crunchery. (laughs) I love it. So when, uh, she, she shot it down for a number of years and then brought it back to life, um, like a couple of years ago, like eight, six or seven years ago, maybe. And when I was little, I got to like work in the bakery making dog treats with, with my mom and with my dad and uh, my sister and, and really got to know like what it was like to have a small local business. So when I turned 19 and I met my boyfriend, then my husband now, he had just opened a store. He was like, I don't know what to do with this. I had an idea, but I don't think it's going to work out. And I, he was a couple months in, he had like nothing on the shelves, nothing on the racks, really not much at least. And I was like, well, let's think of some ideas. I don't want this to fail. Like let's figure out some things. And we started brainstorming and putting our heads together. And, um, he was like, do you want to come in on this with me? And I said, sure. And so we basically started this very niche store from scratch and we just basically wanted it to be a store similar to the stores we were driving into Chicago to go find or driving into Madison or Milwaukee to go see like some of those stores that are just oozing with life and fun and culture and music. And so that's how we came up with our store called culture shock clothing and records. And we started bringing in vinyl records, clothing, vintage t-shirts, patches, stickers, buttons, fun housewares and perfect, mostly perfect purposeful and ethically made products so that way people could feel really good about their purchases and feel really good about contributing to our community. So lots of locally made products, lots of items with a story. And that's where my real life experience came from. And that's how I began my journey as a marketer. That's crazy. So I want to go back a little, a little. So your mom obviously had this small business. So were your parents like really passionate about entrepreneurship or was that just kind of like, were they a side hustle mentality? Like, where do you think you got your, you know, your entrepreneur roots from? I think my mom, you know, loves her local business. She's a great entrepreneur. My dad is an economic developer. So I, he was okay. always talking about business. Yeah. And I think what they did was they always let me have a seat at the table whenever they're making mm. decisions about the bakery, about, um, different things going on with with the bakery they're not together now um so they they um split their ways and my mom closed down the business and then she reopened it later but when I was when I was younger and they had they had that business they definitely always let me be in the decision making process with them so I think from a really early age I got to kind of see some of the challenges that business owners go through and some of the decisions that they're making and they would ask me for my opinion and you know, as a kid, I didn't realize how much of an impact that would make on me later and how much knowledge I would really retain from those, those conversations. When you talk about mentorship and that mentorship can come from your parents, it can come from, you know, different places, but being at the table with the right people is definitely really important. So I'm, I'm curious, do you feel like, do you feel like, uh, that set you up for, what happened at the clothing and the record store? Um, and what did you take from that, that you feel set you up to be successful? I don't know if it, I don't know if it necessarily set me up for success. Um, because at the time that business, 
could have been successful, but essentially, you know, at that specific moment in time when we shut it down, it, you know, we shut it down. So yeah. I don't know if it necessarily set me up for success, but I think what it taught me was that my, I think that what my parents did super right is that they taught me that my opinion on business was valid and that I had a good opinion to share. And so I think that what happened was later on in life, when it came time to help, when, when I dove, practically dove into owning the store that I had no plan to own prior to, you know, right. um, when, when my husband and I got together and we started, we were like, are we going to do this? Okay, let's do it. I think what really set me up for success was my determination not to quit. I don't quit when I put my mind to something, I'm going yeah. to do it and I'm going to see it through. And the other thing that helped me was just the confidence to know that people can own a business. You can own a business successfully. You can be a part of the community. And I definitely struggled with imposter syndrome. You know, I thought to myself, why would people want to support this, this young couple with a really weird store, you know, yeah, sure. I, and when I, I, uh, ventured into starting a nonprofit with a few other business owners that supports local businesses and entrepreneurs, I definitely asked myself, like, why would someone want to listen to me? I'm 22 years old. And why would they take advice from me as a business owner? But what happens is, you know, the more you practice and the more you put forth energy into being a business owner, feeling like a business owner, knowing that your opinions and the experience you bring to the table is worthwhile and important. The more practice you get in that way, the better you, the better your business becomes and the more you show up as an entrepreneur and as a business owner. So I think all of those things kind of work together to create who I am today. And what I really learned from the store is that I loved marketing because what mm -hmm. happened is when I was 19 years old, 20 years old, I realized very quickly that no one is going to come into a store just because you have a store open. And that was one of the problems that my husband was facing at the time, my boyfriend then, he was saying, you know, I don't know how to get more people in the door. How are we going to get more people in here? Maybe this was a bad idea. I'm not sure if this is going to work. And so we, we put our heads together. We thought about some different ways and we started making flyers. We started creating business cards. We started passing out flyers at every DIY show we were at, started, you know, leaving a business card or a coupon with all of our waitresses when, or waiters when we would leave a restaurant in addition to their tip, you know, it's just saying, Hey, if you want to come check us out sometime, we started like employing all of these DIY guerrilla marketing tactics to, and, and I have to give a big shout out to Seth Godin because I read tons of Seth Godin books back, to, yeah. back in the day. The guy's about, a goat. Yeah. About how to um, provide an experience or provide a business to somebody that no one else has. And what happened is I, I was, I had to Google one day. I was like, what is it that I'm doing? Cause this is really lighting a fire under me. Now, you know, I'm signing up for all of the social media platforms at the time, which was MySpace, Twitter, MySpace, yes. you know, Zanga. It was like yeah. all the, like all the OG social media platforms. And I was like, what is it that I'm doing? I like Googled it, you know, and I came up with marketing and graphic design. And so I had been paying, I 
I had been working at a step, a side job to support the business and myself putting myself through college. My husband was also working at a side job to support the business. And we, I changed my major from journalism to marketing and graphic design and just never looked back. And what I've been able to do is take these small business principles and these small local business principles that I've learned from not only my local business, but from also running a nonprofit with local businesses and bring that to uh, personal brands, speakers, thought leaders, um, influencers, and bring those concepts of how small businesses really, really get very, very closely into their local community, bring that to these bigger influencers, thought leaders, podcasters, and teach them how to use those practices to really connect with their community more as well. There's so much that is in there that I want to pull out. So the first question that I have is your, your husband was his reason for opening a, you know, a clothing and a, and a record store. Is it, did it stem from this passion for, for music? And did you have a passion for music or what was the reason that you guys got involved in this business in the first place? Skylar is very much into music. And if you, I'll, I have to give him a shout out because he has a YouTube show called Vinyl Happy Hour. It's Ooh. under our Culture Shock Records uh, YouTube channel. But basically, Go check it out. Yeah, it's, it's really good. So he's like a, my husband is like a walking encyclopedia of music. Like okay. anything, any question about any artist any question about any vinyl record or piece of audio file stereo equipment, he knows the answer to. He's just that type of person. So I'm like, how do you know all of this? So his show is very interesting on YouTube. He, he was always very, very into music, very much into music. He wasn't, he was in bands um, yep. always. He was in lots of metal bands, lots of screamo metal bands. Yeah, screamo. Yeah. Some that got some, you know, pretty positive recognition too. And I was always into music too. I was always in choir. I was, I took guitar lessons in middle school and high school. I took singing lessons. I played clarinet from the time I was in middle school through high school. So I was always also very interested in music, always scoping out new music. I don't know if you remember when MySpace, like independent artists could put up yeah. their music on MySpace and you could download it for free. Yeah. It was, yeah. Oh, it was the so best. Much. Yeah, so much good stuff. So I was always into music too. And music is definitely one of those things that drew Skylar and I together in the first place. Okay. Uh, before we before we decided to really dive into this business together. So definitely music brought us together. Uh, we would lo- we loved going into Chicago or into Milwaukee and Madison to like the funky shops, like the alley um, yep. in Chicago and different places like that where there was cool American made products or like products with a story. And we were like, how can we bring this vibe to our own community? Cause we don't want people to leave. We want people to like it here. We want people to have a place where they feel safe. They feel at home. They feel like they can express themselves right here in our community. So that kind of is what brought us together and made us, you know, really get into the store and, I see so many people, um, so many, so many performers and, and maybe because I was this person too, like we have this passion and we think that in order to fulfill this desire we have for this passion, we have to go a certain direction. And it's interesting because 
obviously him being a part of a of, of a band you know and getting recognition you kind of get the bug right because you're like yeah. oh well, then i'm going to be a musician and we're going to be bands and here we go and then he opens up a store <laughs> yeah. um you know so it's a little different way of being able to tie yourself into the passion but i think one of the 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 things that i'm i'm really curious about is when he opened this store you guys opened this store you have this passion for music you decide to go a little bit of a different route. You, you open a store instead of going for the record deal or whatever the deal may be. And you probably to the heart of who you are, believe that you created a very unique store for your patrons to come into, but you discovered something really quick <laughs> that you, people still need to know you exist, right. right? You can create the best experience you can have the best talent but if nobody knows that you exist it doesn't matter so what was that moment for you because i said you, you said that you kind of kind of had this this moment where you were like oh my goodness like i want to help people realize that we that we're here and then you fell in love with the process of helping people realize you're here but what was that point where you really discovered that if we don't market we're in trouble so uh, we <laughs> we have this funny story I've told before, and it was basically like we figured out what all of our expenses were at the time. This is in 2006, a long time ago. We're, we've been in business 14 years now this year. And when we first started, we had this, we had, we called it our barely scraping by goal. And it was, um, we had to make $60 a day to keep the lights on. We were open wow. seven days a week. So we had to make at least $60 a day. <laughs> so that was my goal. I was like, okay, got to get enough people in the door to keep the lights on. And then we can, after that, we can move on from there. And I know it sounds ridiculous now. Like that number is like, you know, you need a lot more than that. <laughs> but that's what we needed. So at the time. And so that's, you know, that's where the marketing came in. That's where I was like, where I had a measurable goal. So I said, so now, even now we have, we do have a barely scraping bagel. We have, especially in this year, the year of the pandemic, we have a barely scraping bagel. It's definitely not $60, but we have a, a barely scraping bagel. We need to make something near that every single day in order to keep the lights on. So um, that's what I recommend to businesses too right now is like figure out how to pare down on your overhead and figure out what your barely scraping, scraping by goal is, and then manifest that, <laughs> make that at least that every day, and then start adding on top of it and getting creative to figure out how to add more to that. But your question, to answer your question, what happened was I started marketing culture shock. People started coming in from all over the place. We were getting people in from out of town. We were getting people in from in town. And it was a store that truly no one really needed. Like, we can say that we feel a need like for people who want to feel like they fit in and want love music and stuff. So yeah, we feel a need, but we're not essential, right? Like we're not like right. an essential product that people like a toothbrush, like you have yeah. to have a toothbrush or you have to have groceries. What happened was I was get, we were getting people in. I was getting on the news. People were, were, contacting us. Do you want to come on our radio show? Do you want to come on our podcast? Do you want to talk about music? Can we play a show inside your store? Like there was all this buzz and this energy coming to our store from the marketing we were doing. And other businesses started reaching out to me and saying, 
what are you doing? Can you do this for us? Can you design stuff mm-hmm. for us? And can you get people in our door? How are you doing this? But you know, what are you doing? And I was like, well, I'm just, I did this and I did this and I'm doing this. And they're like, can we just hire you to do this for us? And at first I was like, no, I'm just going to do it (laughs) for us, you know? And then what I realized when I said that I Googled that one day, I was like, what? I really like this. I really love marketing our business. And I really understand what our community needs and what makes small businesses tick, what makes communities tick, what makes communities want to support small businesses. And then from there, I started working with lots of small business owners tons of small business owners. I started the nonprofit for small businesses so I could bring more education to small business owners on a micro level and on a um, low cost level. And then I also started traveling. So I said, you know, I love my community, but I want to bring the concepts that people are learning all over the world and bring them back to my local community. So I started going to conferences. I started going to um, different events and started broadening my network. And from that network, I started meeting lots of podcasters, lots of speakers and authors. And I started bringing those small business concepts to those people. And they, you know, what we found is that those concepts that we've learned from, I've learned from the real life experience of having a small local business that, you know, opened during the recession is that um, if I can do it here and I can do it in this small business way. I can do it for other people too. And the concepts that I've used are tried and true and they work really well. And that's how I got to where I am now. So it's just like been this crazy journey that I didn't, I never expected to go on. And I think like what you said, so many people think, oh, this is the path I'm going to go on. I'm going to go on this path. I'm going to be a performer or I'm going to be a musician or I'm going to do this and this is how it's going to go. And this is, there's only one way to the, to the, goal and one way to the top of where I want to be but really like if you kind of let and lean into your strengths and let life bring you where you where you want to go sometimes things will surprise you and it'll kind of pop up out of nowhere and you'll say wow I had no idea that all these things would connect the focusing on your dreams with an open hand as opposed to a closed fist is so it's so easy to say and so hard to do but it's so critical because you know, I believe that a lot of our journeys, you know, everybody wants the straight line up the mountaintop journey, right? And it's mm-hmm. never that way, right? It's got windy roads, cliffs, and everything else. And so I think that what you're talking about is, is so important because there are so many different ways that you can get to your end goal. And yeah. you never thought marketing was going to be that way, right? Nope. Um, and And you're still able to be a part of what you love. You're still a part of music. You're still, you know, you're still shouldering that industry and and being able to work with people that have a passion for that but you're just you're you're in the industry in a different way and now not only that not only are you in the music industry but now you found that you love to help businesses and now you're able to do that in ways that you couldn't do it if you would have just focused on the passion for music so i think that's interesting but one of the things i want to ask you now as we kind of transition a little bit is that not only have you worked with small businesses but you've worked with large personalities you've worked with you know you've worked with speakers trainers coaches and 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 solopreneurs why do you feel like it's so important for performers to 
look at themselves outside of their creativeness and really start looking at themselves as a business. I really truly believe that this is the best time to build your personal brand. And sometimes I, I feel that, you know, performers, they, they really believe in their work. They really believe in their craft, but they might not feel that they are one, they're many times used to working as a team with other performers. They might not feel like they deserve that spotlight or they might have some imposter syndrome there and, and think, you know, well, there's so many other, there's so many other performers out there that are much better than I am. And why would I be in the spotlight? The one thing that I can say is that people are, and this is from um, a study done by Sprout Social, but people are 16% more likely to read a post or to pay attention to a post from a friend rather than a brand. So if you can think of your, your personal brand, like you're building relationships instead of building a brand, if you're building these relationships online and through your social media, through Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, um, all of these social media platforms. And if you look at it as building friendships, you're going to be in a lot better mental space than if you are looking at it like, okay, I have to be this perfectly curated brand of a person or of a personality on social media. So, so I, I want to ask this question now. So when you talk about, when you talk about personal brand, like, what do you really, what do you really mean by that? Cause I think that's a term that people throw out really sure. loosely. And I think people misunderstand, they think they're building their personal brand and then be, they, they define their personal brand as, well, it's, here's my dance videos or here's my music videos or here's my me singing or whatever the deal is. And it's like, it's nothing, it's nothing even close to what you're talking about. So what do you define as personal brand? So a personal brand is different than a personal brand business. So a personal brand business is where you're going to be selling a product or selling a service based on your, your personal brand. So for me, as an example, I have a personal brand. I do a lot of speaking. I do a lot of coaching. I work with Mike Kim on a mastermind currently those things all benefit me as a person, as a coach, as a person who speaks, as a person who is out there in the public facing way. But my, but I'm building my personal branding through my podcast. I'm building it through my social media sites and I'm, I'm building my personal brand business on my website. And all of those things went in the, in the bottom line, we all start businesses to be able to provide for ourselves and for our family. Um, or for our lifestyle. So I essentially do all of these things because I'm one, very, very passionate about it, but two, because I need, I would like to make money from it. Right. That's right. So that's the essence of building a personal brand business. It's building a business centered around you as the, the forward facing person. So influencers are personal brand businesses. Performers can have personal brand businesses. Um, you'll see a lot of YouTubers out there and, and different um, people on different platforms with their, their OnlyFans sites. Yep. Um, those types of things are personal brand businesses. Though OnlyFans sites are very similar to communities or membership communities in the entrepreneurship space. So, you know, those types of things benefit a personal brand business and, and building a personal brand business. But essentially the idea behind the personal brand business is that people really trust 
people. They trust people much more than they trust big corporations and big brands. And so if you are, if people are 16 times more likely to read a post or buy something from a friend rather than from a brand, then if you think about building your personal brand and who you are, who you show up to the world as, if you think about building those relationships instead of, instead of like, how will they buy from me? Where are they going to buy from me? If you start by building relationships first, then your personal brand will grow without you even thinking about it. Now, yeah, and that's such a, that's so, so true because you hear this, this, this phrase that said that people buy from people they like, know, and trust. Yeah. But, you know, there is, there is, I feel like, especially in the performance industry, image is overrated mm-hmm. and relationships are underrated. Um, everybody wants that rock star like Instagram page, or they want that really flashy brand, so to speak, or, you know, image. But, you know, at the end of the day, I, I deal with dancers all the time and, 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 and performers, and they all have these great videos. They all have these great images. And then you look at their engagement on social media and it's zero. <laughs> you know, yeah. their, their views on their videos are high and they got three or four comments on their posts. When you take a look, cause I know you deal a lot with Instagram and, and social media, obviously, when you take a look at these influencers or performers, what are some of the big things that you see that they're doing that are hurting them that they think are actually helping them? A couple, that's a great question. A couple things I see is that I see people doing is that they feel that they have to be everywhere on every social media platform. And I think that it's handy to have a presence to lock down your, your username on social platforms, but I don't think you have to try to spread yourself thin over multiple platforms all at once. I think you should pick, if you're just getting started, let's talk to the person who's just getting started building their brand on Instagram. I would say what you should do is, pick two platforms, pick one platform that makes social media very, very fun for you. Like it makes social media exciting and you want to log in every day and then pick the next best platform that your audience is on. And by doing that, you will be able to get really, really good at those two platforms. And then you can move on to adding another platform afterwards. You do not have to be on every single platform. You have to be consistently on a couple platforms and do them very well. The other thing I would say that people do wrong is they worry about posting a ton of times in a certain amount of time. Like, oh, you need to post three times a, a day in order to be successful. You need to post six times a week. You know, you know, you, there's a whole bunch of people out there telling you you need to post so many times and you need to post between 2 p.m. and 6 p.m. or like whatever the right. thing is <laughs> and you need to use, you need to use exactly 16 hashtags. No, all of those things don't matter. You need to be consistent about how you're posting. So that means if you decide you can only post three times a week, just make sure you keep posting three times a week. If you can post once a day, post once a day, but figure out what's consistent for you and what's not going to burn you out where you just drop off and all of your engagement flies out the window. Lastly, I guess this is more of a tip for what they can do right. But one other thing I see all the time is that people are commenting on micro influencers, nano influencers, even commenting on their posts and they're hearing crickets. There's no replies. 
And in some ways, you know, vanity wise, I've seen some people like, well, I don't like to reply to every comment. It doesn't make it seem like I'm very, you know, I want to seem like I'm not as attainable, but, but what I have to say about that is some of the biggest influencers out there are still engaging with their, with their community and the people who truly, the people you see on Instagram, on TikTok, who are really engaging and commenting back those are the people building communities and those communities are going to follow them wherever they go and they're going to buy all of their products because they feel validated. So you must engage. You have to engage. That is the number one rule. You cannot post and ghost. You have uh, to engage with your people. And the more you engage and the more you build a friendship with them, the more likely they are to buy from you and to support you and to be your biggest cheerleaders. I I absolutely love that. I, I And I... I know that to be true from my background in sales and, and building, you know, building uh, sales teams and, and everything else like that is that, you know, the number one thing that people thrive for is they, they thrive for, well, there's two things. They thrive for connection and they thrive for significance and they want to feel like they're important enough for somebody to reach out to them and, and to comment back. I mean, I can't even tell you how many times, you know, you see, people say, well, so-and-so followed me or so-and-so, so-and-so replied back to my Instagram post. You know what I mean? That you, you are making their world. And, and, and I, I, I see, I know when, even back in the day when I was signed to a record label, that was kind of the thing that was taught to me is you want to seem like you're more important than you really are. And, and that's such a backwards mentality for building a platform. And I don't care if, you are an influencer, quote unquote, that's got millions of followers on, you know, on a social media platform. At the end of the day, you know, if you're going to call yourself an influencer, that requires you to actually engage with the people that you're influencing. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I think that there is this, this superstar mentality is, is hurting more people. Um, you know, then obviously then it is helping. So my, my, my question is, is this, let's, let's give somebody that, that is saying, okay, Jesse, so I I hear that you need to, um, that I need to start building a personal brand. Okay. Mm -hmm. What would be really quick, three easy tips that somebody could start today to start building a personal brand that would, um, start to give them momentum, you know, going forward. Okay. The first tip I would say is kind of standardize your profile picture on the platforms that you're on. So figure out what platform or what picture you want to be your main headshot platform picture and put that on your profile. So put that on your LinkedIn or on your TikTok, on your Instagram, make sure that when people can, when people are looking for you, they have instant recognition. Yes, that is the person I'm looking for. So create some consistency. It doesn't mean you ha- your profile, your name has to be exactly the same on every platform. If you can, that's always handy, but it doesn't have to be. But make sure that your photo is recognizable, consistent, and someone can find you easily. The second thing is optimize your bio on every platform. So look through your bio on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, look through your bio and say, can someone figure out who I am and what I do from this bio? Would they be able to hire me and understand what, what I do from this bio? Can they find how to, if you're an influencer, um, which a lot of performers can be, 
What I would say is, you know, make sure you have a link that goes somewhere relevant for someone who wants to hire you. So if that goes to your website, have you built a website, even a small one? Do you have a link tree? Do you have a resources page with your affiliate links on it where people can go and purchase things through your links um, that you're talking about in your stories or on your posts? Make sure that your link is there and that people can understand from your bio right away what you do. And then the next thing I would say is in the first nine pictures on Instagram, in the first nine videos on TikTok, or in your feature articles on LinkedIn, make sure that people can figure out what you're doing so or who you are, what you do. So if, for instance, someone came to my Instagram page, in at least the first nine photos, they're going to see a picture of me speaking almost at all times because I want people to know they can hire me to speak to their groups. I know I want people to hire me for their virtual summits and I don't want to just go on free ones. I want to also get paid. Like this is part of my business, part of my livelihood. So make sure that when people come to my Instagram, I want to make sure that people know what I do. They know that I speak. They know that I'm a coach. They know that I'm available to be hired. And so in the first nine pictures, they're always going to see something like that. They're going to see something that elevates my reputability and what I do. That's so, uh, so valuable because I, 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 I feel like most people, they, they know that they need to post videos of them or, or post posts of them doing what they love to do. But the problem is, is that there's no direction with that. Right. And, and, and so many people, they, they, they know, so if somebody look, looks at their Instagram, they know they're a dancer, but what else do they do? Do they teach? Do they, you know, do they have a course online? You know, are they, are they available for shows? Where, where do they live? So they are available for shows. Like there's so many different questions that we don't realize that sometimes people will go on our social media and if they don't find the answer they're looking for, they're not going to reach out. They're just going to go to the next person. And so you're missing out on opportunities just because you're spending all this time building your credibility on your social media, but the end goal is for them to book you for something or to say yes. And you're not giving them the ability to say yes because they don't know enough information. And I'll also say that many people who are looking for influencers and looking for performers, they care less and less about the vanity metrics of how many people are following them because so many people have just screwed it up on Instagram and bought followers and it almost doesn't matter anymore. But what they are looking for is engagement. So yep. one way to keep engagement going, like they want to see if people are commenting. They yep. want to see if people are sharing things. One way to keep engagement going is by keeping the conversation going in the comments. So if someone comments on something that you've posted, see if there is a relevant question you might have for them based on what they commented. Another way to do this is if you are messaging with someone a lot on Instagram, Instagram is going to put your content in front of them first. They're going to see your content more often. It's going to result in more likes, more comments, and more opportunities for you to connect with that person. So that's another reason to always answer your comments and always answer your messages. So that the Instagram algorithm says, these two people have a relationship. I'm going to make sure to put Jesse's content in front of Lauren all the time. Every time that he posts on Instagram, Lauren's going to see it. So make sure that you're you're actually engaging with people because if you are, that's what makes your content show up first for them. 
So you heard it first, stop ignoring the messages that you have in your inbox. Start answering them right now. <laughs> Keep the conversation going. Don't just answer with an emoji, but like get some, yeah. get some quality conversation in there. Even if it will take you, take, take five minutes a day and just put your heart into it. It will benefit you tenfold, I promise. Uh, yeah, that's that's so good. That's so good. Well, Lauren, you definitely dropped a bunch of gold on us today. And if people want to learn more about you and they want to learn more about what you do, where can they find uh, more info about you? So they can find me on my podcast. It's called the Real Personal Branding Podcast with Lauren V. Davis. I also have a free Facebook group where they can under they can learn social media tips for free called Understanding Social Media Marketing for Entrepreneurs. And lastly, I love connecting with people on Instagram. So if you hear this interview, please, please reach out to me on Instagram. I swear I will message you back. You have my <laughs> word. Just let me know where you heard this, uh, this interview and we'll, we'll connect and we'll, we'll be real friends in real life. There you IRL. go. There yeah. you go. There you go. Well, listen, Lauren, we, we just want to say thank you so much for coming on and dropping some gold for us. And uh, I'm, I'm excited because I know you got some big things uh, in the future heading up. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens with all of that. But thank you again so much for being with us. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you having me. And this was really fun. Thank you for listening to another episode of the My Creative District podcast with your host, Jesse Paul Smith. Here, we turn your passion into profit. Follow us on Facebook. And stay tuned for another episode of the My Creative District podcast.